We're gonna talk about this week in wrestling Cause it was terrible unless it was great This is Tables and Ladders and Podcast, it's TLP Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tables, Ladders, and Podcast, the only podcast that's like a caged animal in a cage. This is episode 127. I am your host, as always, Poit, and joining me on the panel to discuss the week in WWE, we have Wehrman. Hi, folks. And Java. Hello there, Mr. Poit. Hello, gentlemen. How are you two doing this uh, on this fine day? Not bad. Honestly, quite, it was a quite decent good. enough, de- yeah, decent enough day following a above decent week in uh, in wrestling, I believe. Definitely above average, shall we say? We don't get to say that often. The average has been dragged down quite a bit over the years, but this one was definitely above. That is the true. All right. Well, then, without further ado, Mr. Wehrman, do you have any news? I do have some news. Uh, while it was previously reported that John Cena will be out of WWE TV until after Christmas, it looks like his time off has been shortened to six weeks. Uh, he is now scheduled to return on December 13th in time for the Tables, Ladders, and Chairs pay-per-view uh, to inevitably take the U.S. title back from Alberto Del Rio. Inside sources claim that this is because we live in a cruel and godless universe and all of our hopes and prayers are meaningless in the face of the infinite void. Those are some powerful sources. That's some deep stuff. So, we still get a, a little period of time without Cena. It's just not quite as long as we were originally told. Yeah, and plus, I mean, now there's just this crushing inevitability about the U.S. title. Like Del Rio's title run at this point is almost preemptively ruined because we just know he's just there to keep John's belt warm for him. They, they, what they, if Del Rio wins at TLC? <laughs> yeah. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> oh, come okay. on. No, how many times have we had Alberto Del Rio working as just a living belt holder for John Cena? This has happened like on. two or three times already. But he's got the kick that beat John Cena. He does. What they could do with this, and it would be great, if there's a little countdown for John Cena's comeback and Del Rio is desperately trying to lose the US title before Cena comes back because he doesn't want to fight him anymore because that never leads to good things for anybody. And they just keep passing the US title back and forth as people are intentionally losing it week after week. That would be pretty funny. Also, it would be funny if if they did the whole countdown thing and then, like, as soon as John gets in the ring, he just gets kicked in the head and loses. I thought you were going to say attacked by uh, Chris Jericho. That would also be great. That would be great at any time. <laughs> Pretty much. A wild Jericho appeared. So what uh, else have we got on the news table? Uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of good news. Raw's uh, ratings um, were slightly up this week. Uh, up to a 2.46 from last week's abysmal 2.21. It's still not a huge improvement, but it at least shows that you can have a show without Cena and without Randy Orton, without Brock Lesnar, without The Undertaker, without relying on all these guys who have been around for years and years and years, and people will still tune in to watch it. So that's encouraging. 
Yeah, I'm sure just bringing back old times especially does nothing for the rating. You can't just slap on on the TV. Coming up later tonight, we've got Hacksaw Jim Duggan back. And all these other guys that haven't been relevant for the last 25 years and actually boost the rating. Especially when most yeah. of the audience are below that age themselves. So they weren't even alive yeah, like when most of those many, guys yeah. were relevant. Yeah, it's like how many how many of these people were around when Shawn Michaels was tanking the ratings as the greatest of all time? It's a controversial viewpoint. Mm. I suppose it's not that controversial because it, it is backed up with facts. That was a very low-rated period when he was on top. Yep. I really argue with it. Uh, anyway, um, a little bit of bad news. Uh, continuing what has been a seemingly year-long trend of wrestlers getting arm injuries, uh, PW Insider is reporting that Rusev has suffered a torn bicep during his match with Neville in this week's main event. Uh, there's no word yet on how bad the injury is, but it was at least bad enough for officials to stop the match. Oh, wow. That's not yeah. good at all. No, it's not. Um... I mean, I guess it's kind of fortunately timed, at least, since they already hit the abort button on the god-awful feud he was having with Ziggler. But, um... It's, I mean, it... It should delay them hitting the yeah. abort button on his whole career, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it really sucks that, um... that a, a pretty talented guy is, you know, getting hurt like that and having to miss having to miss TV, especially on the heels of him getting engaged. I sense he was about to start floundering on the show, though. So probably. probably. I mean... Decent timing. Yeah, I mean, they were they were kind of lumping him in with that group of just guys we've got nothing for at the moment. Um, if I, Actually, this might, um, this might be good timing uh, with his engagement. Um, if I recall, wasn't it Tyson Kidd who used his, um, uh, his marriage with Natalia to get extra time off um, after recovering from his injury so that he would have more time to heal before going back in the ring? That's probably true, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, in some further bad news, uh, NXT star Colin Cassidy has suffered a leg injury and is expected to miss several weeks of TV. It's likely, however, that he'll be back in action in time for the UK tour in December. So, that sucks. Yeah, we, yeah. we won't really notice too much, though, will we? With all the taped episodes? Yeah, that and the fact they weren't exactly doing much on the show recently, anyway. Yeah, I mean, they kind of had like losing. a... They had kind of a mini-feud going on with the mechanics, although they were just there to put them over for... Uh, the mechanics to go in with uh, the VOD villains. And they can still have some Enzo singles matches. If it's not a serious True. injury, if he can still walk around but not wrestle. Then... Uh, they were saying, um, at, at least at the time he sustained the injury, he was, rock he was on crutches, so I don't know. We shall see. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the NXT UK tour, uh, according to a teasing tweet let out by Triple H... Uh, the legendary heavy metal band Motorhead may be playing at the TakeOver special in London. Are they going to be playing Triple H out to the ring? <laughs> Almost definitely. <laughs> um, but, I mean, hey, I love NXT, and Motorhead is one of my favorite bands, so, I mean, that's it's, it's cool for me. So are we going to have a, a five-minute or ten-minute live performance of Triple H heading to the ring so he can say, this is NXT, and then that's it? That would be amazing. 
Like the, I mean, he goes the full like Triple H at WrestleMania route where he's like dressed up like Conan the Barbarian and like rides down to the ring on a giant skull or whatever the hell. And then he's like, "All right, guys, enjoy the show. Bye." <laughs> that would actually be amazing. By the way, I just had a thought about Rusev and his injury. If he What's keeps that? with his his current record, which is whenever he goes away with an injury, he comes back and he's suddenly wearing clothes on the part of the body that was injured before. Is he going to keep that run going? Eventually, he'll be the new Sin Cara. <laughs> yeah, little known fact that when he was in the Indies, he actually used to wrestle naked until he suffered a, a really serious gonad injury. Hmm. Well, like a year from now, he'll just have like. Like a 1997 cane, like full body suit and mask. Or it'll come out like the Yeti. <laughs> that would be amazing. Just covered in toilet paper. Uh, anyway, uh, rumors are circulating that WWE is in talk with Nick Dinsmore, a.k.a. Eugene, uh, with the possibility of him bringing him back to the company, uh, likely resuming his position as a trainer at the Performance Center. Uh, he was released last year. Um, there's some speculation as to why, because he was actually, apparently he was very well thought of and well liked there. Um, there are rumors that it was political that had something to do with his ties to Bill the Mott. But apparently uh, he may be coming back. So that's cool. Uh, I, I was always a fan of Nick Dinsmore. The Eugene character was a little much. A little but, much. Well, I mean, considering the garbage they would put on towards, like, the tail end of the Attitude Era and sort of that that we're trying way too hard era of, like, 2002, 2003, um, like, by itself, Eugene was incredibly offensive. Um, but in the context of the rest of the show, it was still really bad. In the context of Katie Vick and HLA. Yeah, Katie Vick, HLA, Muhammad Hassan, the wrestling terrorist. Um, that was not a good time to be a wrestling fan. That was not a good time to be a fan of television, period, really. How would you feel if he, if Eugene made a, a couple of appearances in NXT actually wrestling in his old gimmick? I really don't know about that. I don't think they'd do it, but how would you feel? I don't think they could do it. I feel like I, they could. I feel like that they would handle it much. Like they they could handle it well, like without being offensive. I think. Maybe, but I mean, of course, you know, the question is, should they? And the answer is no. No, they should not. <laughs> Probably right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There were some rumors circulating earlier this week claiming that CM Punk had been intentionally left out of the uh, commemorative issue of WWE Magazine uh, celebrating the 25th anniversary of The Undertaker. Uh, apparently there were some screen grabs uh, saying that when they were talking about the streak, they completely skip his match and uh, go from the Hell in a Cell match with Triple H straight to his match with Brock Lesnar. I, however, uh, have seen uh, more recent reports saying that's actually not true, that he is in the magazine, they just don't use his pic they don't use any of his pictures. That would make so, sense. They're, they're not giving the full Benoit treatment, but they just don't want to 
bring attention to them, especially considering the litigation going on between Mr. Brooks and WWE. They do tend to skim over quite a lot, especially when it comes to the streak. I mean, have they ever actually mentioned the fact that he won one of the matches by DQ against Giant Gonzalez? They never bring that one up. They never bring that up, and they never really mention, like, they always say it was, like, 21 men, but it was really only, like, 18, because it was Triple H three times, and Kane twice, and Shawn Michaels twice. And there was the time that he faced Big Show and A-Train at the same time, but they never mentioned that he actually had a, a partner that showed up partway into the match. Oh, yeah, that was Nathan Jones, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> Did you ever see the movie Troy with Brad Pitt? Yes. The big dude that Brad Pitt kills right at the beginning of the movie? With the little that, jumping stab thing? Yeah, that's Nathan Jones. He's big. He is he big. Is. And he uh, apparently had like he had some like uh, roid mutations uh, because he actually started lactating in the middle of a match once. It was weird. Well then... He suffered from the whole Brock Lesnar thing of I don't like traveling very much, so I'm not going to stay with the company. Yeah, he he went on to just be kind of a big meaty dude in movies. Okay. But they they were dead set on making that guy a huge deal in like early 2003, and then he just immediately vanished. Him. Speaking speaking of vanishing. Uh, for those of us exa wondering exactly where Xavier Woods was uh, this weekend uh, over the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view and on this week's Raw, uh, he's apparently taking time off to get married. Oh. So, congratulations. Uh, also missing from uh, WWE at the moment is uh, Raymond Leppin, a.k.a. Adam Rose, uh, who traveled to South Africa to attend his sister's funeral. Uh, there hasn't been any real... Um, any details involving that, but of course, our condolences go out to him and his family. Um, I actually have a bit of news. Uh, if we want to say, speaking of speaking of the Benoit treatment, uh -oh. um, there were a couple new episodes of um, of Monday Night Raw that were added to the WWE Network, according to the Wrestling Observer. Uh, these were not added on any. Um, update lists, so apparently WWE was trying to keep these um, like quietly added because these are two episodes that are leading up to Benoit's WrestleMania win, and and so therefore they feature him rather prominently. Oh uh, yeah, well that will do it. Well, it's nice to know that the stuff actually is in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're never yeah. going to advertise it, they're never going to say you can search all the best moments of Benoit, but it's nice well, of that course. there aren't just huge gaps in the timeline. Right. On the uh, subject of uh, another person who was getting the never-existed treatment, um, did you guys see uh, apparently Hulk Hogan's last WW, uh, WCW contract uh, was leaked recently onto the internet? Okay. The, okay, the money this guy was making was obscene. Like, one of the things they said, it was like from 1998 to 2000, Every pay-per-view appearance he made, he was paid like $675,000. What? Yeah, dude got half a mil every time he showed up on pay-per-view. Or over, over two-thirds of a mil, actually. All right, then. With creative control. So that he, he yep. would put himself on every pay-per-view. 
those were the days. They weren't really. And you're saying this company went out of business shortly thereafter. I know, right? Damnedest thing. Yeah, and people blame the booking for them going out of business when they have contracts like that sitting on the table. Yeah, I mean, if WWE and, to a lesser extent, TNA have shown us, it's that a poorly booked show can go on for years and years and years, but not when they're just hemorrhaging money like that. Mm-hmm. Is that the extent of our news for this week? That's all I've got. So uh, there is an article that was posted on WWE.com last week that I would like to discuss. Um, it is it is called The Ten Greatest Divas Matches of All Time. Okay. And so and so I would like to read this list to you fellows to see uh, to see your take on it and see how much you agree or disagree with this list. I'm sensing that we're going to disagree strongly with it from the fact right. that you haven't brought it up. Okay, so... Number 10 was Paige versus Emma at NXT Arrival. Okay, yeah, I remember that match. That was a really good one. Um, the, uh, I, so was that, yes, that was the first NXT pay-per-view, yes? Or special? Um, I think? Yeah, I, I, think, it was the, right. I think it was the first one that they did, and after that they were all called TakeOver. Yeah, that's right. Okay, number 9 is Brie versus Stephanie at SummerSlam last year. Uh, I, no, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with the women. Number eight is Caitlyn versus AJ at Payback 2013. I don't even remember that. I remember they had a match that was quite good, so it could have been that one. Um, this match was apparently AJ was when she AJ won the championship for her uh, for her then record breaking title run. Like this was the start of her title run. I don't I don't remember anything specific about it. I just remember they did have a match that was good. Yeah. Number seven was the very recent Nikki versus Charlotte at Night of Champions. Mm, that was all right. I, would, I definitely wouldn't put it in like the in like the top ten divas matches. No, yeah, that's a bit much. It was it was serviceable. Now this match I think was now number six here I think was much better. Uh, Charlotte versus Sasha Banks uh, take over our evolution. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, five Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch uh, take over Unstoppable. Also a good choice. It's, it's on the right trajectory at the moment. But I have a feeling you're going to throw a curveball in there in a minute. Number four, uh, Bailey versus Sasha Banks in a 30-minute Iron Man, uh, 30-minute Iron Man match. That's number four. They put that at number four. Okay, I'm starting to dread what's coming in a minute. Number three, Lita versus Trish at Unforgiven 2006. Hmm. I was a. Oh man, I. I don't remember that. I mean, I remember the time they closed out Raw, but I don't remember that match. I mean, most of the women's matches from that period, they don't really stand up to today's women's wrestling. No. They were okay for it, the time. To say that that was better than the Iron Woman match, no. It's like putting Hogan versus Warrior in a top ten list. At the time, it was cool but actually comparing the wrestling to what we see nowadays, it doesn't really measure up. 
Would it be fair to say that Lita versus Trish was the best women's match of that decade? I would th- I would think so. I can't imagine a better pairing uh, based on who they had at the time. Uh, Mickey James had some good matches as well. That that's very true. Um, that's true. Yeah, Mickey James has always been very good. Did Mi- did Mickey James and Layla feud? No, that wasn't until what 2011, was it? Yeah. I remember I don't Mickey remember. James and Trish had some excellent matches. Didn't they have a cage match, or was that somebody else? Maybe. Oh, remember. man, I don't remember. Okay, so what are the top two? Number two is Natalia versus Charlotte for the inaugural NXT Women's Championship match at the first takeover. Mm, I can see it. I don't remember that I mean, it, being anything spectacular. It wasn't great. It certainly wasn't better than the Iron Man match. I agree but, it was not better than the Iron Man match, but um, it was certainly a good match. Uh, uh, yeah. If it helps you remember, that was the one that had both Bret Hart and Ric Flair at ringside. Yeah. If only if only for historical importance, I can see why it's up there. I don't think it was... I don't think it should be the second from the top. The uh, This article um, described this match as the genesis of the Divas Revolution. <laughs> like, basically, when we started thinking, wait, these women in NXT are putting on good matches. You mean when Stephanie started thinking that? Yeah, I was about to say, because, I mean... Launched the Divas Revolution. I would have said that um, earlier than that, with um, Paige and Emma, they were... Yeah, Summer Mm -hmm. Rae. um, Hell, just going back to, like, AJ Lee and Caitlyn when they were on NXT, when they were the Chick Busters. Was that before NXT was... uh... That was that was that was NXT in its game show form. Oh, NXT season, season three, gotcha. Yeah. Um, anyways, the number one match uh, you guys can probably guess this, I haven't listed it yet was Sasha Banks versus Bailey at NXT Takeover Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that one. Uh, yeah, I agree. I with was worried they were gonna. Number one. I was worried they were gonna like leave it off and say like, well, the Iron Man match uh, was the only thing we need to talk about with Sasha and Bailey, and then number one would be like Stephanie McMahon versus I don't know whoever. Anybody. Sable. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was great. The one with Melina and Alicia Fox. For those of you who watch Tough Enough. Yeah, yeah, I, I get the reference. Now, does it say anything that Sasha Banks is on is in four of these matches? Yeah, considering and how, isn't and isn't on Raw or pay-per-view matches. Considering the short amount of time she's even been in wrestling to be on an all-time Divas match list like that, that's mm-hmm. quite impressive. I mean, Charlotte is in three of these. It just tells you that the the step up in women's wrestling has been quite unprecedented. It was kind of crawling along, and then suddenly it's not even been a slope. It just jumped from there suddenly to there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not too surprising a list. There wasn't too much on there that offended me. I, I have a feeling that, that, that you guys basically just disagreed with uh, Brie and Stephanie being on the list and Lita and Trish being so high on the list. Pretty much. And a few people that just weren't mentioned on the list at all, like Mickey James and Victoria, yeah. mainly. I would go back even further to like the early 90s women's division and have like Medusa and uh, Bolnacano. They had some amazing matches. Um, I mean, if you really want to push the women's division as this thing that they've had for ages, which they have, um, then going back and looking at some of their earlier exploits would be, I think, helpful. 
I do think, what was it? I think it was a triple threat between um, Michelle McCool, Layla, and Mickey James. I think I think that that was a match um, that I remember being rather good. I can see that. Granted, it was years ago, so I don't remember it very well. I kind of blurred everything to do with Lee Cool out of my mind because it was so cringeworthy and horrible. Yep. But yeah, it's it's kind of sad to see like um, probably my favorite of the uh, of the women from that era, uh, Molly Holly, uh, wasn't on the list at all. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, she had some pretty damn good matches as well. Yeah, they should have like her win the hardcore title or something. I think so. <laughs> it would then have to reference that a woman was actually in a match with a man, and there was physicality involved. Well, I, th I think she hit the hurricane over the head of the frying pan. On that occasion, yes. But they did have a lot of matches around that time when the women would actually take wrestling moves. Yeah, like basically any time the Dudleys got their hands on anyone. Yep, the Dudleys did love giving the women their wood, as the commentators used to tell us on a regular <sighs> basis. So, shall we move on to our main talking points for the week, then? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, first things first, the one site that greeted us almost immediately, Helena Cell, Bertie and Zeb, what a team. Yes. And we found out that they're Mechs America now. <laughs> so, so that opening segment caused me to just shout out loud, holy shit, twice. Obviously, once when Zeb came out and once when Del Rio came out. And what a weird-ass combination. Like, I love that... Okay, Alberto Del Rio is fired from WWE for punching a guy who made a racist comment, right? And he's gone on record again and again saying that the top brass in WWE are xenophobic and racist. And then when he comes back, the first thing they do is pair him up with a guy whose whole gimmick is that he's xenophobic and racist. Sorry, whole gimmick was that he's xenophobic and racist. Right, right. His whole gimmick but is that he's okay. xenophobic and racist against that, everyone okay. that's not American and Mexican. No. Yeah. Then Zeb Coulter listens to John Lennon's Imagine and hears the line, Imagine There's No Country, and goes, That's brilliant! And that's okay. their excuse. Okay, I want you guys to, to just imagine this. Zeb Coulter as the leader of a, of a heel foreigner stable. That would be awesome. I kind of wish like, they would do that, like, bring back the real Americans, but... Only have it be foreigners. Have it be like, Del Rio, Rusev, Cesaro, Sheamus, Barrett. Yeah. What I Neville even if you want to make him heal. What I thought their excuse would have been if someone had told me this is the combo they're going with, I would have thought they would have had him go the kind of Cesaro route where they say, "Well, we used to have our differences, but he went, he got his papers in order, and he came back into this country the right way. So now we're cool." <laughs> That seemed Except logical. Wasn't Del Rio just, like, like a Mexican aristocrat? Like, there's no way he would be in this country illegally in the first place. Right. I think the whole gimmick was he was doing it the right way. It's like, yeah, he's a foreigner, but he's white, so I'm fine with it. Um, but I love the fact that Zeb Coulter is still a crazy man, but his craziness has just kind of evolved uh, since the last time we've seen him. They, they did tell Neville to go back home or something along those lines, though, didn't they? I think so. So there's, there's still a little bit of that gimmick. He's just now including Mexico in his list of approved countries, 
which now I'm consists hoping, of two yeah. countries. I'm hoping that like they absorb Canada next and just kind of like form Oceania from 1984. They are the North American stable. I don't know, I kind of hope that they leave out Canada. I think that'd be quite funny if he starts saying that they need to build a wall to keep keep all the Canadians out. I think that'd be quite amusing. So. Actually, South Park did that just like a few weeks ago. Yes, they did. I think it'd be funny in wrestling, because there are a lot Um, of Canadians around. I I would like, at some point, for uh, for Zeb Culture to do the whole Damasi Caballero spiel that Ricardo used to do. It's yeah. It's it's sad to see Del Rio without uh, without Ricardo, but. Mm-hmm. So when he did make his, oh, I'm not sure if it was long awaited by everyone exactly, but when he did make his return to the ring, he defeats John Cena for the United States Championship, and his finisher now is that kick to the head, which used to be the kick that won the World Championship. Now it's the kick that beat John Cena, of course. I have to ask, though, is it his finisher, though? Because, I mean, he beat Neville on Raw with a different move. It's a finisher. He seems to have quite a wide variety of finishers at the moment. Two different ones in two different matches, and neither of them are his primary finisher. So he's got three. I feel like they did that to protect Cena because his primary finisher is a submission, and John Cena never taps out except for that couple of times he totally did. He could have passed out to the pain of a broken arm. Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like though trying to protect him that way actually made him look weaker, since he didn't even lose to a finisher. He got pinned in like ten less than ten minutes. Yeah, did that make a whole lot of sense to anybody? If you think about all the matches Cena's had recently, where he's been kicking out of multiple finishes from people, and then just a kick to the face finishes him off in well, eight minutes. That I'm pretty match. sure that's the. Sh- I'm pretty sure that that was the shortest match Cena has had since winning the U.S. Championship. Probably. I think that, I mean, you could tell that match was so phoned in. Like, he just just didn't care. He was like, all right, whatever, I'm losing the title and I'm going on vacation. Let's just have a nice little walk. And... It feels like it kind of went against the whole point of the U.S. Open Challenge. Remember when it first started, Cena was like, one day somebody's going to beat me for this title, and that man is going to be the future of the WWE. So you think it would be an up-and-coming talent, somebody like Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn or you know, Cesaro, anyone who could you know, be the standard bearer uh, into the future. And he loses it, first of all, he loses it to a guy who was already WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and then he wins it back, and he loses it to a guy who is 38 years old. He's just as old as Cena is. Also an ex-champion. Makes yeah. more sense. Welcome Luke to the show, by the way. To join us. And Zevon. Yeah, I was late. Sorry. Only a tad. Now, I think we're going to take two minor breaks from our talking points here. There is something we want to talk to Zevon about momentarily, but first of all, we have had a couple of comments on this live broadcast. Owen Brown gave a thumbs down earlier when we were talking about John Cena not being out for quite as long as we originally thought. So disapproval there from Owen Brown. And on our recent discussion, Lockjaw, in all caps, says, no one keeps Canadians out. 
<laughs> is that yes? Lo Lockjaw did recently reveal to the world that he is in fact Canadian. Well, that takes a lot of courage. It does. I wonder how many Canadians. Yeah. I mean, even in this modern world, um, it does take some guts to admit that you're from Canada. Yeah. But professional athletes, they wait until they retire before they admit something like that. Yeah. Some people go to their graves not admitting that they're Canadian. I bet you John Cena is a Canadian. <gasps> Ooh. I don't know. Ooh. I don't know if you can really say ah. that. Ah. Scandalous words, sir. Scandalous. That's going to be all over the dirt sheets now. All right, who's the one guy who hasn't come out as Canadian on the roster? Go. <laughs> Everyone. I'm going to say Zeb Coulter. Ooh. That's why, he, that's why he deliberately doesn't say, like, Canamex America. <laughs> <laughs> Point? Um, I was going to say Zeb Coulter, and now you just uh, now I need to think of another one. <laughs> I think JBL um, is actually Canadian, by the way. I think I think he's so over the top in his I'm all American and I wear this cowboy hat and I've got an accent that clearly isn't Canadian. I think that's just a cover. Maybe maybe Jack Swagger's lisp is him yeah. trying to cover up the fact that he's Canadian. The it's all just American Canadian American Canadian. <laughs> okay. Here's 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 something to think about. Maybe the reason why the Undertaker's promos are so slow <laughs> is because he's trying not to say A at the end of each sentence. Ah, shit. You will rest Ruined in peace, eh? Ruined my childhood. Yeah, that doesn't really work, does it? So, Mr. Zevon, I Hola. believe you had quite an interesting experience this week that oh, yeah. the, the TLP universe might want to hear about. Oh, yeah. Um, here, I'll, I'll show... I'll show pictures. Um, let me get my phone set up. Da, 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 da. So I basically met half of the NXT roster this week. Um, they did a live event at a well at a um, music festival um, in Sacramento, close to where I live. And so I met people like 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 there's there's Carmela if you can see it. It's probably way too bright. It is way too bright. Yeah, let me, yeah, let me I'm seeing like a fake blur. Let's see this. Let's see if I works better this way. Can you see, can you see it now? That's quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, there it is. So there's that. Um, met Apollo Crews. I heard, Cruz, I heard was, you got a hug from from a Miss Bailey. Oh, I got a hug from a lot of them. It was actually really weird. Did you get a very sweaty hug from Apollo Crews? Actually, yes. Um, when we went to do the picture, he literally grabbed my phone and put his arm around me, and he was dripping in sweat. <laughs> and literally, like, he's like three, three or four inches taller than me, so his arm goes up over my entire back shoulder and just drenches my entire shoulder. <laughs> and you haven't showered since. No, not at all. Not at all. Never will um, again. Uh, I'll probably shower again, but um, let's see what else I have. I was also featured. Often. This one's pretty small, but I was also featured on the NXT um, Instagram. As you can see, this is really hard because I'm doing this backwards. Um, is that Corey, that is Taylor, Corey Taylor. Yes, and I'm right there, three rows behind him. That's awesome. And he's very, very nice in person. Came in like through the crowd, talked to everybody who was around him, 
kind of he had his own entourage, so he was asking if people wanted signatures and everything. And I, I thought you were gonna say when he talks up and around him, it was just like, "You get out of the way, you too, you move. I'm gonna sit here." No, 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 not at all. Um, here, hold on a second. This is the profile. This is my picture with meeting Bailey, who was super, super nice. Um, the story about that was as you were going into the festival. You were doing the VIP signing. I met Samoa Joe, Alexa Bliss, Emma, and uh, Finn Balor. Got all their signatures and everything. Um, they made you go through the line before you got to go and sit down. So as I'm coming around the corner, I realize I have nothing for them to sign. I go, oh, holy shit, I should go get something because I could frame it later. Uh, I run to the little NXT booth around the corner. And I'm the only person there, and I'm buying a Finn Balor shirt to have him sign. And Bailey just walks around and is like, hey, I need I need a couple of those Bailey wristbands for my entrance later. And the worker there didn't hear her say, my entrance later. So she goes, she's like, oh, so four wristbands? That's 20 bucks. And I stop <laughs> and I turn and look at her, and she's standing right next to me. I'm like, that's Bailey. And she's like, what? <laughs> I was like, no, that's her. And she turns around and looks at the uh, the uh, autographed pictures that they were selling for ten bucks each, and she's like, "Oh, well, holy shit, it is you!" And I was like, "Yeah, she probably doesn't have to pay for that. Here, you can go ahead and get it done." And then she was super nice because I let her go in front of me because she was busy, and so she actually stopped and while I was doing my purchase, talked to me for about five ten minutes. Her whole family was there because she lives in San Jose, so they came up. Um, but yeah, super sweet. Everybody that I met was super nice, very approachable. Met Bull Dempsey. He was hilarious. Oh, you um, bastard. Yeah, Bull Dempsey. Okay, let's go over it. Finn Balor, Alexa Bliss, Emma, Samoa Joe, Corey Taylor, Baron Corbin, Bailey, Simon Gotch, Aiden English, Bull Dempsey, Apollo Crews, and Tyler Breeze met all of them, and they were all super nice, super approachable, not like assholes, like when my friends did a John Cena signing, but that's a different story. Sounds but, like a pretty awesome weekend. Yeah. It yeah. Was, and I, my friend won the tickets, so I got to go to that festival for free. So I basically paid the $25 for my Finn Balor shirt and got everything else for free. Nice. I, do, I do have one question, though. When everyone was leaving, did they search you to make sure no one had smuggled out an Alexa Bliss? <laughs> no, but they should have, because she's super attractive. Just yes, saying. Is. Smuckers. Am... So jelly. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> also, on that note. I got a compliment from Finn Balor about my arms. He noticed that I lifted. He's like, yeah, you look like you work out. And I was like... Thanks, man. I was like the the most like meaningful comment a man can give another man. So, well, random. Other than maybe complimenting your beard, did anyone do that? Um, Samoa Joe, actually. <laughs> but I get those compliments a little more, so I, I devalue them. You could put that on you as a tombstone, though, couldn't you? Samoa Joe complimented my beard. Complimented my beard. <laughs> I once touched Alexa Bliss. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> Alright, well that was my weekend. <laughs> okay, so I feel like we should probably get back to our talking points now. 
Actually, first, um, Lockjaw is questioning, Zivon, your, um, your credentials as a real Dudley. Um, there was all different shapes and sizes of every single Dudley. Where would the, can, where would the questioning be? I don't know. I mean, M- Mama Dudley did get around a bit, didn't she? It Actually, it was Papa fair, Dudley. The, oh. the legitimacy of the Dudley, various members of the Dudley clan, has been called into question over the years. So I don't think it's really anything new. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I don't I don't know about that. Hold on. Well, okay. So. Oh, by the way, that's how close I was to the NXT title. Wow. I you'll you'll get to win it one day. Yeah, you're close yeah, in time. On my WWE 2K16. All right, I'm done. So we just finished talking about Bertie and Zeb, the new duo that we're we're not quite sure how that's going to go just yet. So Hell in a Cell was the name of the pay per view. Two Hell in a Cell matches. The big question is, we ask we should ask this after every Hell in a Cell pay per view, and we generally do. Did the matches need to be in the cell, and did they make enough use of the cell? I feel like, okay, Bray and Roman Reigns put on probably the best, like, modern WWE-style Hell in a Cell match that they've had in years. Um, But at the same time, it really was just a regular hardcore match that happened to be inside a cage. I think the one aspect to that feud that really necessitated the feud in being into the cell was the fact that you couldn't have the Wyatt family running in on it. And that had been, the whole feud had been building up to that point of when is he finally going to get Bray without outside interference. So I think having that in the cell for that reason made sense. Yeah. Uh, Taker and Brock, even though they didn't really use the cell hardly at all, was the first Hell in a Cell match in, honestly, as long as I can remember that felt like a proper Hell in a Cell match. Maybe since their previous Hell in a Cell match. Yeah! Like, even though, again, even though they didn't really do a whole lot other than, like, throw each other into the steel two or three times, it had that vibe where it's like, somebody is going to get seriously hurt. Can I ask you if you had that vibe because they both just cut the shit out of themselves, or because they actually made use of the cage? Because I was think definitely it's more the, the blood that was involved. It was definitely the former, but... I mean, WWE always wanted Hell in a Cell to have this mystique about it. That this is where you go for your horror show of violence. Um, and... It still would have been a damn good match without the Cell. Uh, but just having it there put like the right... Put it in the right atmosphere, you know what I mean? I wonder if they had to yeah. clear that chair shot to the face with somebody before the match. I don't think they did. I think they just went out and did it. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Because I mean, it's like, I mean, what is Vince going to do? I mean, it's Taker and Brock. They're not going to fire you. You're one never going to work in this fucking business again. Okay. So I'm going to state an opinion, which may or may not be unpopular. I don't really enjoy watching 
a Hell in a Cell match in its entirety. Like, I think I think that's a kind of match I would prefer to just watch a highlight reel of, because the like Hell in a Cell matches just have way too much downtime. Yeah, okay. I feel especially. Especially the Triple H era Hell in a Cell matches. Triple H doesn't need a cell for downtime. Yeah, where it's like it's yeah. like ten minutes of really good action in a fifty-minute match, like him and Shawn Michaels, uh, him and Taker at WrestleMania, where like eighty percent of the match was one person rolling around on the mat while the other one goes stay down. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that that can work though. You don't need the entire match to be non-stop action. There has to be a little bit of storytelling in there. And if you can, the way wrestlers' bodies take punishment over the years, then really you want the matches to have less action and still be as entertaining. But what I think you're saying is that they don't always have the right balance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the inaction isn't telling a sufficient story to yeah. replace what moves could have been done in that time. Right. To be honest, I always liked cell matches that did stuff outside the cell. I know they're supposed to contain people, but I think a hell of a spot in the the uh, Bray and Roman match would have been them going up top to the cell to start it, then like the whole family coming out, then him taking out the family, and then going inside the cell. That would have been I think cool. that would have built up to the actual match a lot better. Or have a bit where, like, Roman Spears bray through the door and then they fight outside. Something so, like that. So, so, so the latter of the... Uh, so, so you're suggesting women. I'd, I'd be fine with. But, uh, but Zivon, your suggestion of, of, uh, of Reigns taking out the entire Wyatt family before going on to beat Bray, like, I think that's a bit much. The problem is, is you're using the cell to do it. So if you hit the right things at the right spots, that's totally believable. If you separate and conquer, that makes sense. That's yeah. why you go to the well, top of the cell, take Bray out, and as they try to attack you one by one, do something different. That's easily doable. I would say, okay. like, the problem I have with that is if you're on top of the cell, there aren't a whole lot of things you can do other than throw someone off. And the I'm, the I'm more using it as the separation. You don't have to throw someone off the cell. I was just using it. Maybe it's a bad example. But okay, I was but using it as an example of if they had gone outside the cell and then locked them back into it. There is a sense of danger that happened when yeah. they were on top of the cell. Yeah. And what they possibly could have done, they could have had him spear Bray through the door. Then the other Wyatt family members come down. They start beating up Roman inside the cell. You have maybe Dean Ambrose come down, even it. And then they get out of the cell and manage to lock the Wyatt family in the cell without Bray. So they're all kind Actually, of stuck in there. What would be kind of a cool spot is, like, Bray and Roman are, like, fighting on top of the cell, and Harper and Roman and Beef Stroganoff are all down, like, <laughs> about... And they're all about to, like, climb up after him, and Ambrose is, like, hanging off of the side with, like, a kendo stick or something, swatting at them, and then at the end he just, like, bonsai jumps onto all of them. Yeah. Just something like that. They had Ambrose scheduled for a match that fell through because of an injury against the rest of them, why couldn't they make that part of it? The whole feud has been surrounded like it's Bray and the family against Roman, so have there be an equalizer. Why not? Oh, would have cool. I still like the match. I thought it was a really fun match. I didn't mind it. I just thought they could have done better with stuff like that. Even 
in the early 2000s and late 90s, they would have something like that to bump up like the intensity of the match, whether it had anything to do with the real outcome in the end. They would make the match more special by having more things going on at once. That's just my opinion. Well, it's safe to say both those cell matches were a huge step up from the usual that we get. Where well, they think, oh, God, we've got Helena Cell coming up. Uh, let's just throw, I don't know, Seamus and Orton in there. And, a thousand and, times. And at, at best, you're going to see maybe someone bring the steps into the ring. And that's that's the most Hell in a Cell-like action that they're going to perform during the entire match. Yeah. I think, I feel like Brock and Taker were just like, all right, you know what? This is the last thing we're going to do together. Let's just fucking kill each other for half an hour. Like, I don't think there was any real plan going into it. I don't think they ran anything past Vince. Uh, rumor has it that backstage, like, Vince was at Gorilla and was freaking out when um, when Brock got his head split open. Also, he was supposedly pissed when Brock pushed down the doctor, and that was a real spot. He actually yeah. legitimately shoved the doctor out of his way. I yeah, mean, because... really, how brave is that doctor for trying to tend yeah. to the wounds of Taker and Lesnar yeah, during like, that okay, Hell in a Cell match? Okay, like, Vince apparently was the one who sent that doctor down because he didn't want them bleeding on TV. And mm-hmm. so it's like go down there and clean them up, you know, get get rid of the blood. And I think to Brock and Taker's credit, they were like, no, this match will be more special if we're both bleeding, you know? It will show that we are actually hurting ourselves and each other. It, it worked having the Doctor in there as well because it didn't feel so much like he was in there to clean them up. It felt like he was legitimately checking on them. Like you'll see yeah. in MMA when someone gets a really bad yeah. cut, the doctor will come in and look at it and then say, well, actually, that's like six inches deep and wide. This fight's going to yeah. have to stop. Or you'll well, die. I mean, that, uh, that head wound that Brock got, that wasn't him blading. Like, he legit split his head open on the post. It yeah, looked he like he had like a cut on the top of his head, didn't it? He yep, did. Um, I've eye. seen pictures uh, from after the match. It was like a crescent-shaped gash uh, going down to his hairline. That sounds like a finisher. Crescent-shaped gas. Maybe Baron Corbin could do that. Hmm. So, moving on. Now, Roman Reigns defeated Bray, so why does he get to decide that the feud ends now? When he lost, he said, this will never be over. And now that he's won, that's it. Well, that's A, that's how WWE storylines work. The good guy wins, the feud ends. Okay, I'm sorry, Java, are you complaining that this feud is finally over? I'm not complaining, I'm just saying it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why would Bray suddenly just give up like that? After well, I don't think it was a matter of him just saying, okay, well, I guess I'm done. Um, because later in the show, I mean, at the end of the show, he goes and kidnaps The Undertaker, and now he's kidnapping Kane. He's realizing my voodoo swamp magic isn't enough to beat people like Roman Reigns. I need to level up, so I'm going to go steal the Undertaker's dead man mojo and become more powerful. That way I can come back later and just destroy Roman Reigns. Yeah, so is he just siphoning off the power of the Undertaker and Kane, or are we going to see Under Wyatt? I feel like like it's not about him recruiting Taker and Kane. I feel like it is him trying to absorb their power and make it his own. 
so, so how would you guys feel if um, if this actually is the end of like Taker and Kane on TV and Bray Wyatt actually does in kayfabe absorb their power? I would That's be retarded. I would be I think it would be awesome. No, okay. Imagine the scenario, right? Instead of showing up the very next night on Raw, the Wyatts are off TV for like three weeks. You don't hear like the only thing we see from them are these like backstage or like the. Uh, creepy vignettes where they're back in like their swamp compound, right? And you just see snippets and little clips of them like torturing the Undertaker and like desecrating the Undertaker symbols and like putting the sheep mask on his head and make like taking the urn and dumping it out on him. All this shit to like degrade and humiliate him. And like he's saying, you know, give me your power and like all this. It's like you are immortal and now you're broken down. You can't use your power anymore. Give it to me. Then it shows up to like Survivor Series, and you have the Wyatts against Ambrose and Roman, and I don't know, fucking the Dudley Boys or whoever. Um, and it comes down to Roman; he's the last survivor, right? And he's making his babyface House on Fire comeback. He's fighting off everyone. Bam! Spear to uh, Spear to Bray Wyatt, Spear to Eric Rowan, Spear to Luke Harper, Spear to Beef Stroganoff, and he's down, right? Like. He's like spent. He's like he, he's taken them all down, but he's spent, right? He's used up all the last thing, all the last he's got in the in the tank, and then all of a sudden, all four of them all at once do the Undertaker dead man sit up and just murk him. That would be a fucking incredible moment. Oh God! So if the Undertaker is just a way being tortured in a barn somewhere, I just I'm just having images of him saying. There are four lights. <laughs> That'd be quite amazing. That's a Star Trek joke. So, we're probably not going to see Under Wyatt or Kane Wyatt anytime no, soon. I feel like as much as I would love this to be Taker passing the torch to Bray Wyatt to finally actually be the new Undertaker, given that they've already said, like, we're celebrating 25 years of the dead man at Survivor Series. This is really just for Bray Wyatt to be fed to Taker at Survivor Series. Which is unfortunate. Though, yeah, I mean, I liked their match at WrestleMania, but the fact that we've already seen Taker beat Bray Wyatt this year kind of undercuts that. Actually, um, what if uh, at the end of this storyline... The, like the mantle of the Undertaker like passes down to Bray Wyatt, and Undertaker ends up uh, uh, just becomes like he's a retired old dude, and he like he starts using his real name and retires and leaves, and Bray Wyatt like changes to the Undertaker with like full regalia. Or corporate Undertaker, we could have. <laughs> no, he couldn't. Corporate Maybe not. So, shall we move on? So, yes. speaking of corporate, corporate Kane, he's done. He's gone. Are we upset about that? Or had it run its course? I think it... I think it's... I'm fine with it, but I wanted... I wanted it to be one of those, like... He shouldn't have just won clean. It should have been like he went down in a flame of glory. He just lost after a pedigree. Yeah, I say Kane looked basic house show match. Kane looked like a putz. 
Like, it, it should have been, like, he sat up three times, he had to take a chair to him, they changed the freaking match to a no-DQ, yeah. basically had to wail him with a chair, maybe even hit him with a curb stomp, make it something big where he actually gets, like, carted out. Yeah. I mean, I hope they do that when it's time to put Kane proper away for good. Um, the corporate Kane persona, I'm not too sad that it's gone. Although I liked Corporate Kane a lot better than I liked Demon Kane. I, I will say this. I liked the last month of Corporate Kane where he just acted like completely crazy and oblivious to everything while on camera even though you knew he knew about it. I liked his uh, like backhanded compliments, the way he would sit there and snicker and the way he would say things as he walked away. Like He had to just get that last jab in there like a bitter old... Okay, so... so- the, the corporate and Demon Kane duality is better than corporate Kane alone, other. which is better yeah. than Demon Kane alone. Yes. Yes. Demon, also, Kane, Demon Kane really has only been entertaining when Daniel Bryan was teaming with him. Also, I, be, I, I disagree with that just because I think that was more Daniel Bryan being entertaining than him. Yeah, I liked I'll him, agree with that. His original, when he didn't talk, that's the masked Kane I liked. When he would he would ask him a question and he'd look at you and just go like he was answering it with a head bob. That's when Kane, after he started talking, that's when he lost. I, I could give a shit less at that point. Maybe Luke Harper is cutting out Kane's tongue as we speak and he'll never talk again. Please, dear God. That's a bit crap. Yeah, that was a little bit like a vocalizer to talk. So, shall we move on? Now, the... Also... It, just before we move on real quick, if anyone is going to have their ability to talk removed, it should be Roman Reigns. Holy shit, man. Yeah, that's like, fair. I like Roman Reigns. I, I don't think it's fair that he's getting bagged on as hard as he is now, but... He has improved. Yeah, don't let him talk. My God, he can't cut a promo. Believe that. So, the World Heavyweight Championship... At Hell in a Cell, obviously, it wasn't going to be be the main event, but it popped up like halfway through the card, didn't it? Yeah, it was lower on the it card was, than it, the Intercontinental match. So, I mean, I think it, I think it makes sense to have if 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 you're doing like a um like like a dual main event like that, you have one close the the second to last hour and one close the last hour, and then you have some filler in the middle. I can see that. I do think though that. The IC title and the US title should always be lower in the card than the than the main event title, though. Yes, I I, I think it, I think it would have been appropriate to perhaps to have um, maybe uh, Bray and Roman as the filler. Possibly. So moving on, the new day. We predicted that they were going to lose the tag titles at Hell in a Cell, for the most part, but they retained. Now, that may have been just through the spirit of Woods and his unicorn power being channeled into them. Uh-huh. But where do we think this is going, then? Are the Dudleys actually going to get these belts at some point? I mean, you we, know, do, we do have a, a TLC pay-per-view at some point, don't we? Yeah. I mean, if they're going to win, I mean, that's the place to do it. Have them win in a tables match. Um, I do think, though, that it's... Honestly, kind of a good idea not to have the Dudleys win, at least 
not, you know, not as soon as everyone would like just because they're an old team and they shouldn't be beating a new team. Well, they have lost to the new team a couple of times now, so I don't think it would yeah. happen too well, much. Well, I mean, it's they lose, but then they immediately get their revenge by putting Xavier Woods through a table. This was this was the new day straight up winning and going, ha-ha, we win, see you schmucks later. So I think probably the Dudleys probably are going to win the titles at tables, letters, and chairs, and then you would think they'd probably lose them possibly WrestleMania time. I guess, but I mean, apart from the New Day, who's really left? The uh, the tag division just dried up really fast. I would be totally they stopped fine featuring with, it. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind that uh, we're talk uh, that Job is suggesting that the Dudleys win the tag titles in I think December and then lose them uh, like in like early April, Something or late that. March, somewhere around there. So I mean, them serving as trans- transitional champions for like say some NXT team that gets called up. I would love... You Actually, you know who would be an amazing counter for the New Day? Someone to, like, beat them? The Enzo, No, Edzo and Big Hello. Cass. The yeah. Vaudevillains would be a great choice, too. But I feel like they're a little too NXT. You know what I mean? They are... The, 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 yeah, I, I can see that, I suppose. Yeah, like, sure. I, lo- I love the Vaudevillains. I think they're great. But I also don't think the main roster bookers will know what to do with them. Enzo yeah. and Big Cats, on the other hand, have a hook that would be great for the main roster. They've got the sing-songy stuff that they love to do with like the the New Age Outlaws, uh-huh. and so I think that's what um, I think they're going to be the team that makes it big on the main roster. I think Enzo and Cass are definitely low brow enough so that they'd be able to get over on the main roster. Would I think their characters would be ruined? Would Enzo and Cass winning the titles at Mania from the Dudleys require that one of those teams turn heel, or are they are is everyone there just charismatic enough to make a face versus face thing work? Well, they could do it as a fatal four way like they usually do. That's true. Yeah. That's Mania we're talking about. Yeah, so you could have a couple of heel teams in there as well, such as the New Day. And then, uh, and then, and then, uh, backlash or whatever we get. Um, or payback, whatever it's called. Uh, then there's a rematch. We're like, we were never pinned for the titles. So, moving on next. Well, no, 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 before we move on, I do want to discuss a couple things about about the match itself. More. Um, like, what the hell was that double team thing that the Dudleys did with a uh, with like that leg drop that Devon did, and Bubba just forgets to drop Kofi. That was a botch. <laughs> That was a big, big botch. Yeah, it was. Um, although, and um, though the the, uh, the Eddie Guerrero ish spot where Kofi uh, throws the trombone to, to Bubba and falls over. And that, referee, that was great. He, he so badly wanted to DQ them, didn't he? He did. He, also, he had the hand motion ready, ready, and everything right next to the ropes, and he's just. And then he sees Kofi start to get up and laugh. He's like, whoa, wait, you got me, you got me. Also, all right, when the uh, when Big E and Kofi started saying that the, the trombone was haunted by the spirit of Xavier Woods, was anyone else hoping that the New Day's haunted trombone would be, like, another item of power, like the Undertaker's urn or Bray Wyatt's <laughs> rocking chair? 
By the way, Bray Wyatt did get a new a new rocking chair. He did. Good for or him. Or maybe like, I don't know. Consider like when Undertaker burned his old one, and then he was like, "It's now the ashes in the Undertaker's urn because the traveled back in time or some shit." Maybe he just like grabbed the, the grabbed the rocking chair out of time and like brought it to the future. I don't know. By the way, I will definitely not be searching for the new rocking chair or the haunted trombone on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> See, now I have to. Alright, let us know what you find. Know what you get. Well, we'll leave you to that research while we move on to our next talking point. We've complained recently that matches don't have any consequences. And in a show, you'll just have an endless stream of matches that meant nothing, and you can kind of zone out and not really miss anything. But on Raw this week... This tournament, it actually got you a little bit invested. You were somewhat interested, even though some of the outcomes were predictable. It, it, I, got, you, it got you into it a bit. I so like the, way, the idea, but you knew who was going to go as soon as they announced that it was all the winners. See, I didn't have a problem with that. I mean, it's one of those, yeah, yeah, it was predictable, but predictable isn't always bad. Um, and, and if we're going to make Roman Reigns look really strong... We should at least have him look really strong in a bunch of really good matches that he wins where the people that he beats still look good. Mm-hmm. So Roman looked great, but so did everybody else. Yeah, the and people, I think more people than people that. in the four-way don't really look weak because they all had a match earlier, so fatigue plays a part. Guys, the term haunted trombone has yet to be defined. Well, TLP audience. TLP audience. This is your new task for the week. Come up with an Urban Dictionary definition for the term haunted trombone. (laughs) And we will submit the winning selection. (laughs) All right, then. So basically, Um, Owen Brown, come up with a term for haunted trombone. Owen Brown, maybe innovator. And Lockjaw. Um, Okay, but but, but more than that, I think... um, so all the winners of the pay-per-view matches being in these qualifying matches for the for the uh, for his final number one contenders match, it made all the matches on the pay-per-view matter. It gave them consequence. Like, can't we just do this every month? It makes sense. I mean, we see these guys wrestle each other all the time for literally nothing. Why not have them actually do it for something? Yeah, exactly. Give them something to fight for. Although, did it lose a little bit of credibility, though, because Brock Lesnar wasn't involved in the tournament? And I don't I know if you know, like... but he, he did pick up a, a minor win. I feel like that is going to be uh, addressed at some later date, when Brock Lesnar shows up and is like, hey, I wasn't involved in this, in, in this winner series. Give me a title match. To be fair, though, he also had a gaping head wound to look after. Details. That's a nice thing to say about Paul Heyman. <laughs> anyway, so does anyone else have anything to say about the string of matches that actually meant something for a change before we move on? It was um, nice. I it was like nice. it. Let's keep doing this. Words to live by. So, Roman Reigns, obviously he's the number one contender. His little buddy Dean Ambrose... He's been acting a little too supportive for my liking over the last few weeks. As if to say, it's going to be your time, Roman. You really made it now. And then as he walks away, kind of, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, one of these two people has to turn, right? 
I predicted that all the way back at SummerSlam, but, like, I don't know. It might just be they're just playing up the fact that Dean Ambrose is just a really good guy who likes his friends. Either that, or maybe he's, uh, the last couple of weeks, started to get in cahoots with Rollins, and those two are going to kind of get part of the old band back together and just leave out Reigns and just start the No Romans Club. (laughs) No Reigns left behind. How would we feel about that if Ambrose just joined up with Rollins again? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? It'd be an interesting change of pace. Which is really what, what, what which is really what Rollins needs right now. And Ambrose. And Ray. The Shield needs a change of pace. Yeah. So, that seems to be all we have to say on that. There could be a heel turn coming. We're just going to have to wait and see. Speaking of heel turns, though, there's a heel turn I really didn't see coming on Raw. And they they didn't actually give us any clues at all over the last month or so. This one just came completely out of nowhere, blindsided everybody. But apparently now, Team PCB have imploded, Paige has turned heel, shocked the world, thoughts. I mean, she only uh, turned on them and attacked them and abandoned them like four weeks in a row. This was completely out of left field. Yeah, this was this was about as predictable as World War One military tactics, wasn't it? Look, I will say, as bad as the setup was, I think Paige and Charlotte are going to have a hell of a match. Mm-hmm. And I am just so fucking thankful that the Divas' revolution has finally moved on to fucking anything else than just everyone doesn't like the Bellas. Well, I think everyone of, though, disliking the Bellas should be a thing that we stick with. I'm quite happy with that theme. I, I just don't need the Bellas to be on TV for it to continue. Yeah. Although, speaking of, I thought Nikki did a damn good job in her match on uh, at the pay-per-view. That Alabama, that Alabama slam into the ring apron? Jesus Christ. I will say this, she has vastly improved, probably just by being in the ring with such better actual wrestlers than what she has been in the ring with, but still, I agree, it needs to it needs to go yeah. bye-bye. I was going to say, like, how I'm... could you not improve being around all those other women, but then, Eva Marie. Yeah. You had to go there. Hmm? Yeah, so there is evidence that... Maybe there is something to the Bellas after all. Maybe they are picking it up slowly. If there, if there's evidence that other people aren't picking it up in the same environment they're in, then there must be yeah. something there. The Bellas, they're better than Eva Marie. That's a resounding endorsement if I've ever heard one. So I think we're finally done with the Paige heel turns now, so she's not going to break the record set by the Miz and Kofi feud a couple of years ago. So... A little bit disappointed about that, to be honest. So, we definitely want the Bellas to go away, do we? Or would anyone be happy for them to stick around in another storyline? I just don't give a shit anymore. Hey, if they're not if they're not going for the title, why not? But other than that, I don't want to fucking see them anymore. I don't want to see everyone gunning for the Bellas. Because that undermined the entire point of what they were going for. 
Mm-hmm. Now, before we move on to our next talking point, I think we're going to delve into our lines of commentary and crowd chants. And there's one line of commentary in particular that everybody made note of. <laughs> so, who wants to go first? Go ahead, Jabba. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you two, actually. One of them is from Michael Cole on Brock Lesnar. He says, one cell match in his career and one victory. Doesn't mention against who. Possibly that guy he's staring down in the ring right now, but they're not going to tell us that. It's going to tell us that he won a Hell in a Cell match previously with his opponent's name redacted. And then there was the infamous one, which, of course, we all noticed. JBL, also on Brock Lesnar, said, like a caged animal. In a cage. In a cage. And that inspired me, actually, because it's an interesting image, a caged animal within a cage. So I thought that we could that actually go... Is that a WCW reference? It could be, but I thought we could go one better. So... It might have been a kennel from hell reference. Ooh, there what it is. about that? Oh, oh. <laughs> a caged animal in a cage. In a in cage. cage. Exactly. So it That's was deep. WCW. It was a triple cage reference. Yeah, so I can see what JBL was getting at here. It's actually it's quite, it, it's quite an interesting image, isn't it? The only thing that would be funner, funnier is if you had a Christian cage inside that cage. There you go. Well, there's something for next I week. heard you like cages. Yeah, that's a lot of cages going on there. So that's quite enough of that. All right, uh, I, I have a line of commentary from SmackDown. Uh, Booker T good. said regarding Roman Reigns, he's got a big match, perhaps the biggest match of his life on Sunday. Which which says that according to Booker T, a Hell in a Cell match against Bray Wyatt is more important, a bigger match, than mm. a main event title match at WrestleMania. Well, to be fair, Bray Wyatt did pretend to have a tea party with his child at one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes it deeply personal. Okay. So I'm going to have to back up Booker T on that. Um, I also have um, not a line of commentary uh, on the show. Apparently, Taz live tweets during Raw. Oh, that ought to be great. <laughs> Anything and about so, yam bags? No, no. Uh, so this tweet from him uh, during Raw. A nice high-collar T-bone suplex by Becky Lynch. Not to be confused with the Oh Man it was called. <laughs> or uh, my, my favorite, every time someone would have had a German suplex and Cole would just go, What a throw! <sighs> Which, of course, has been replaced with a trip to Suplex City. Yeah. Uh, there are also the chants during the main event of NXT this week. Uh, the crowd was very strongly chanting, We want Tyler. And don't you? Doesn't everybody? He is gorgeous. Can, can I ask, did anyone notice the um, the commentary like lines that they were saying during the Alberto Del Rio-John Cena match at Hell in a Cell? Am I the only one? No, because... As soon as Jibble okay. said he's Mexico's greatest import, Magal, I just my eyes just glazed over and I started so, foaming at the mouth. So he started doing the whole you know listing of uh, Alberto Del Rio's like former accomplishments, and he's like he won a Royal Rumble, the Forty Man won, he main evented WrestleMania, 
and he beat John Cena in a last man standing match. Basically saying that beating John Cena in a pay-per-view is bigger than winning the Royal Rumble or main eventing and winning a world title at WrestleMania. He did actually lose the world title match, though, after he won the Royal Rumble. Yes, oh, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. So and main eventing at WrestleMania is not bigger. He oh, technically God, curtain jerked at WrestleMania, didn't he? Yes, he, he, yeah, lost, he lost to Edge uh, in the opening match. Basically, but, yeah. everything from that was the year from Edge after his hurt. WrestleMania entrance until when he um, won the world title. They just cut out of his career when they were talking about it. Pretty much. So, but do yeah, we have any other? Make sure that was said. <laughs> That's I mean, all I got. I mean, the interesting thing was, though, that when they were actually talking about Del Rio on commentary. They... No, I just completely forgot what I was going to say there. So, move on. Where were we? Any other lines? Or is that nope. the limit? I think that's all we got. Okay, I'm, I had something deeply profound to say about Del Rio, and if I remember it, I'll come back to it. It was very important. So, we were talking about Tyler Breeze a second ago. He's yes, made his uh, debut on the main roster now. He did. Uh, when he debuted on SmackDown, the crowd seemed um, seemed very into him, chanting NXT and such, though those chants may have been piped in, because, you know, SmackDown. On Raw, however, the crowd did not seem to be quite so into him. They didn't seem to be quite so into him. He wasn't really given much to do, though. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. They'll come around... So yeah, hopefully something comes of this and he doesn't just flounder. He doesn't just sit at ringside with a selfie stick. Eating grapes and letting Big E drink his martini? Well, it was the security guard, really, that was just standing there, <laughs> allowing him to do it. I mean, what was he doing? What was he being paid for, exactly? Apparently nothing. Well, he didn't technically let anyone into the VIP section. He That's just, true. He just allowed someone to reach onto the table that was on the, the outskirts of the VIP section and take something from it. So maybe he didn't violate the terms of his contract. So moving on. On this week's Raw, we had some more randomly cobbled together six-man tag matches. Was it really randomly cobbled together? Wasn't it just the people who lost at the pay-per-view? Well, can, can you get any more cobbled together than that? I mean, you know, at least at least Wade Barrett is at the top of the losers bracket. Speaking of Wade Barrett, when he picked up the win in that match, have you ever seen him display such athleticism as in his victory? You mean, you mean when he did a Barrett roll? And he leapt about fifteen feet into the air just before that. I've never seen him do anything like that in the ring. Has he ever? It was entertaining. Has he ever done any kind of move that left you thinking, "Hey, this guy's a really decent athlete"? He's just been punches and clotheslines and whatnot, hasn't he? And then we found out he can do all that stuff. Well, it's a shame he hasn't shown a bit more of that in the ring. Moving on. Now, this is a bit of a minor talking point, but whenever Stone Cold makes an appearance now, is, is he getting the same kind of vibe that we started to get when Hogan would make an appearance? Like, he's just here to either sell something or to tell us how great cancer survivors are. He's not really bringing anything to the show anymore. Yeah, that was really 
just kind of depressing to watch. Like, I mean, I know Stone Cold hasn't really been Stone Cold in a good long while. He's always showed up to just be like the special referee or something like that, but when he's just coming out to say like, hey, come play WWE 2K16, that was, that was sad. It certainly was. And did you notice they didn't show us any of the footage of The Miz actually playing the game? I'm going to hazard a guess and say that he wasn't playing that game at all. <gasps> Shenanigans! Jacques Hughes! <laughs> what do you guys think? You going to back me up there? Yeah, most likely. I think it had... Maybe Santino still been employed. That would have been a great spot for him on the show. And the fact that the Miz was given that role does not bode well for his future. I would say. The Miz is now Santino. I say I think the Miz does not bode well for the Miz at this point. Agreed. There. He's kind of the closest thing to Santino at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, at least until they inevitably like completely trash Tyler Breeze. Hmm. Well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt for no reason. But let's yeah, give them anyway. Why? <laughs> now, something good actually did happen on NXT because we got the debut of Mr. James Storm. Yeah, holy shit, it's yeah. James Storm on NXT. I know, right? The pop that he got was unreal. I mean, it wasn't like Samoa Joe huge, but it was still like... Well, like, nobody's Samoa Joe huge. Oh! Did, did any of you notice that on commentary they said that, that he's been wrestling in the indep in the independence for the past, like, 14 years or something? Yes, yeah, I, I love that. I did That's right, the independent circuit of TNA. <laughs> yeah, so what makes TNA the one wrestling company that they cannot mention on their show ever? Because they're, number, they're they the number two? They don't have a good working relationship with them like they do the rest of them. But do they How really do they see say? them as competition? No, I but I mean, like, WWE, like, will play ball with Ring of Honor. They'll play ball with Evolve. They'll play ball with Chikara, even, occasionally. Um, well, Chikara and Evolve, they... Well, Evolve's basically their feeder now, but Chikara's yeah. been kind of um, number two Chikara's, feeder. At yeah, this Chikara's point. been a feeder for them, too. Um, Ring of Honor, definitely. Um, they'll... I mean, they're obviously reaching out to... Like, I, I mentioned last week that they've been trying to reach out to New Japan. Um, TNA are the only guys who won't play ball. So, so I can see why... Them. Yeah, why WWE is just like, all right, you are persona non grata to us. And the more of these guys that come into NXT from TNA, it's just more... Well, it's less reasons to watch TNA, every one of these guys that shows up. Because they're all the guys that people would actually tune in for. Because people like watching Samoa Joe and James Storm. Those are two of the guys that most people would have in their top ten TNA talent. Yeah, I mean, like, is. I like the only the only guy that they haven't had come through at this point to sort of complete the set would be AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, uh, apparently Seth Rollins is really really pushing to uh, get WWE to try and sign him. 
Huh. Do you realize how awesome an AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins feud over the title would be? Yes. Oh my God. Jesus fucking Christ! A ladder Ooh. match at WrestleMania mm-hmm. for the world title. Or, or just fuck. Fucking Christ! Have like AJ and uh, Finn Balor have like the battle of like the uh, the battle of Bullet Club. <laughs> Did anyone notice Eva Marie's new gimmick on NXT as well? No, wrestling's not there. Her new, yeah, her new gimmick is that she just isn't on the show. That's a and great gimmick for her. Yeah, yeah, I think this is probably some of the best work she's put in since coming back. If you could pick the perfect gimmick for Eva Marie, it would be that she's not there. So it's like they've read the minds of the fans and they've written it into the show. It's, it's nice to see that they listen. pay attention. NXT listens. <laughs> that should be their slogan. NXT. We listen. They do. Uh, a couple of other things on NXT. Baron Corbin still isn't interesting. Not sure how much of a talking point it is, but he's still a little on the boring and bland side, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, he had a an okay like slugfest with Rhino, but... It's nothing we haven't seen before from those two. Yeah. Like, in, in order to get anything interesting out of Baron Corbin, you've got to put him up against somebody special. Like, so far the best match he's had was with Joe. And that's because it's it's Samoa Joe. What but, is the future for Baron Corbin, though? But, okay, can I ask you this? After actually seeing him in person and how he acts around people, like, just personally, not on camera, not what you're seeing that's taped, is it because he's been doing nothing but squash masters and working with people who, you know, bless his heart, Rhino's still a good worker, but he's 45-something years old. He's not going up against people that are giving him an actual run for his money that are his age. After seeing his match with Joe, I think there's a lot more potential to Baron Corbin than what we've seen. I think Mm -hmm. he does have a potential upside. It's just they haven't... They haven't haven't allowed him to show it. Exactly. They haven't. They haven't cultivated it. Was the word I was looking for. I used to be the biggest Baron Corbin, like hater. I I couldn't stand that he'd come out and they'd start counting. Like it was basically piss break time. But actually, I saw him work a match with Joe. That was one of the main events at one of the show I saw. That was the show where Corey Taylor slapped the crap out of him. Mm. So he, I, I don't know if it's you have to put him in there with someone special. I think you have to put him in there with someone who they're going to allow him to actually work a match with instead of a squash. We've seen nothing but squash, but when he's been put in there with someone that can work and there's someone they're not going to allow him just to run straight through, he's been doing okay, even in the tag team title tournament. Yeah, I was going to say, like the matches that he had in the tag classic were actually very good. I think it's a combination of mostly squash matches. We haven't seen him do that much in the ring, and his personality... The, the way he's been portrayed on TV, it's not so much, I dislike you, I want to see you get beaten up. It's more, I'm going to skip this segment. Yeah, he, he has this look on his face like he's totally disinterested. And it's when I was like, well, if you're not interested in what's going on, why am I? You should you should watch the Breaking, Ga- Breaking Ground show that they just premiered. I he's am going to check that out. He's one of the people that they start with. Him, they do a segment on Apollo Crews. They do a couple people that actually um, haven't debuted with the company. They actually do something with Devin Taylor, and it's actually kind of funny because they just fired her. They do like a whole lead-in segment, basically 
of her getting fired, and they use that as the cliffhanger for the second episode, and you're like, oh, well, I know she got fired a month and a half ago. What the hell do I care about now? But yeah. he's one of the main people in the show, and that will give you guys a little more of appreciation. You'll understand where he's coming from. I feel like they should do stuff like this for everybody on the roster, not just for NXT, but have like backstage segments for people on Raw and SmackDown, guys who we don't get to see their real personality on the show, so we care more about them. I think noticing, because apparently it did really good numbers after the pay-per-view, I think after, if this show is successful, that's exactly what they're going to do. I'd be down for that. I feel like that's good use of the network. Now, the final talking point, which we don't need to spend too long on, because they've only just showed up all these people that we're going to be touching on, shall we say, but the new batch of women that have come into NXT, such as the Asuka and the other the women, there's a couple of Australians that have showed up that have very similar faces, I've noticed. Yeah. How, how do we feel all these, these new women are doing? Um, okay. The one who wrestled... Um, Alexa Bliss, I forget her name. Billy but, Kay. No, Billy Kay was the one who fought Asuka. Yeah. Uh, that's um, the only one I remember. Yeah. Well, the other one, whatever her name is, she needs new gear. Her her costume looks stupid. Um, Billy Kay looks pretty good fighting Asuka um, up until it was time for Asuka to just utterly murder her. There was that. Yeah. If there's I think you can do it's utterly murder, definitely. I think uh, I think they've got a good new crop of uh, of women, and um, I don't know if it's going to be the same. It's going to reach the same heights as it did with Sasha Banks and Bailey, but if they uh, if they develop them correctly, and if they don't just if they don't do what they did on Raw and push them as just the women as like a singular collective, then they should do very well. There certainly seems to be some potential. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen enough of some of them yet, though, to really no. make too much of a, a judgment. So that pretty much wraps up all our talking points. It was definitely an above-average week, but I think you can probably safely bet that next week is going to be back down in the doldrums, shall we say. Okay, okay, let's not get negative before the weekend wrestling even gets started. Well, um, to be fair, we're, we're, we got a better chance of being negative than being positive. I do I think, see where yeah. you're coming from, but 50-50 isn't even close to describing yeah. what the chances are. Yeah, when was the last time we had two good weeks yeah. in a row? Hell, how many times have we had two good shows in a row? Like, how many, how many times just this year... Have we had an amazing NXT show followed by the worst goddamn Raw you've ever seen in your life? I'd take two good matches in a row on any show that's not NXT. <laughs> That'd be a start. Yeah. Think of it this way, Point. If we're cynical, then this time next week we will be either correct or pleasantly surprised. Yeah, so everyone's that's a winner. At. So, Mr. Point... Are you sufficiently slouched and comfortable in your chair in a very loud? I am now. Manner? I am now. Are you prepared, oh, I see that are you prepared to continue your role as the social media guru slash ambassador? Well, Wait. as ever and always, 
I would like to do a quick shout-out to our friends over at the Game Buoy video game podcast, your stop for left of center, gaming news and views. We also invite you to give us your thoughts. So just talking points of your own and tell us what you thought of the weekend wrestling by posting comments on this video, tweeting at us at Tables Ladders, or by replying to our posts on Facebook. We also ask that you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and share our posts, rate us and subscribe on iTunes, and shop on Amazon.com using our affiliate link. All of these links can be found on our Podbean page, tablesladderspodcast.podbean.com. Flawless. So, so Poit, I think I'm going to have my nieces draw, like, a fireplace background, like a poster, just so you could have it, like, put it behind you while you actually do this. And I think for, like, Christmas or a late birthday present, I'm going to buy you, like, a lounge coat so that every time you do that, while he's... Introing and sagging you, you can put I up put the jacket thing on in the background. I put the jacket on, and I, I want you to sit there with like a pipe, even if it's like just blowing bubbles. I think it'd be hilarious. <laughs> well, let's leave the audience with that image, shall we? So, all that remains to be said TLP, everybody in a cage. TLP, everybody. Haunted trombone, everybody. I'm going to wait 30 minutes so I can still be on the proper amount of time in the podcast, and then I'm going to say it. You do, guys. We're going to talk about this week in wrestling, because it was terrible unless it was great. This is Tables, Ladders, and Podcast. It's TLP.